Welcome to We Are The People Radio on a Wednesday afternoon, July 6th, here at K-Talk 1640. This is your host, Jason Preston, and today we are honored to have Miss Christina Bogus running for State School Board District 8 as we... Uh, Talk about the schools and uh, what's going on during your drive home today. So, I want to welcome Christina Bogus. Christina, how are you today? I'm really great. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate that. Yeah, we are. I've met Christina several times. Uh, there's honestly nobody I've ever met who understands more about what is going on in our children's schools than Christina Bogus. So I will tell you, it has been something I've been looking forward to, uh, having her here on the air with us today. And uh, this can be a great show. We've got uh, at 5 o'clock Chris Kimball coming in. She used to be a uh, host here on K Talk 1640. So we're going to be uh, having a great time visiting with her as well. So let's talk about um, our schools. Let's talk about our kids. So much discussion going on. It's all over the news. It's all over the media. You know, what's what's happening? Uh, what's happening? Is, is there uh, critical race theory? Is there not? Is, is there, you know, we hear people talking about there's being porn in school. Is there porn? Is there not porn? But, uh, you know, before we get into all the, the nitty gritty about what is happening in our kids' school and why we're seeing so many people running for school board, Christina, I'd like to know why, uh, you know, running for office, I've run for office, and it's not something you do for fun. No, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> it's hell. <laughs> I can think of better ways to... to it's expensive. It's very expensive. It's difficult. Uh, you're going to have your name dragged through the mud. Mm-hmm. So why? T- tell us about yourself. Why... Christina Bogus, are you running for State School Board District 8? Oh, well, those reasons go pretty far deep, Jason. Uh, I think, uh, first of all, I think there's there's many reasons why I chose to run. And uh, one is when I got to Utah about seven years ago now, we, we or I rather, noticed that there was this, this radical difference between Utah education and um, and where I come from. And people have this. Where idea. do you come from? I came from Wyoming. Okay. Uh, and it just was different here, and I couldn't put my finger on it right away, but I knew very quickly something was wrong because teacher morale was so low. And this is quite a while ago; we're pushing a decade. So um, the the teacher morale was very very low at that time. Uh, the the standards that I had built for many, many years, you know, where kids should be in the third grade, where kids should be in the fifth grade, were significantly lower here. And it was just common practice to to, to lower those standards for students. L- lower here in Utah than Wyoming? Yes. Interesting. I'd have, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Wyoming had, had a word, rigorous standards. And so there was a lot of um, talk about that up in Wyoming when I was there. And the standards here for kids, and when I say the standards, I don't necessarily mean curricular standards. I mean just expectations in terms of behavior, in terms of maturity, mm. in terms of how kids should go and function within within that classroom space. And there was a, a very clear difference in in Utah uh, to that end. And um, and then I noticed that a lot of that stemmed from teacher morale, 
They're, the teacher mm. morale in this state is is quite low. Uh, in one specific building I worked in, it was so low that every year for five years we lost a teacher in September or October. Every single year. Just quitting. Just quitting. They were just done. They couldn't even make it through the first term. Um, the, the hostility within teacher environments, um, whether that be within the, the teacher peer unit or from the administration down, was very prevalent. And it wasn't in every building, but it was in enough buildings and enough of my teacher peers were concerned about it that I thought, this is not normal. Mm. This is not not where what I'm used to, what I've, I've been a part of for better part of half my life, right? And so I became very concerned about that. And then I became concerned about token phrases that I would hear that, that caused me pause. You know, I... I I'm concerned about the, the quality of excellence in our state. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Federalist Papers were written to poor farmers uh, that as part of a work to undertake the, to ratify the, the Constitution. And the, the Federalist Papers are now considered some of the most hard writings to read. Yeah. In fact, what I understood or understand is that the Federalist Papers were intended to be understood by an average 17-year-old. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, at or about, yes. And now we've got, uh, you know, college graduates mm -hmm. who can't even get through it. Yeah, they, the the intellect level and the reading level is just not there. Um, there there's other things that, that I have become very concerned about. You know, I, I really have a heart for teachers. I'm very concerned about the abuse of their time. I'm very concerned about watching my peers flounder and flail and, and in tears, you know. Uh, I've I've seen enough of them um, in in pools of tears before seven a.m. that it it breaks my heart and we we can't let this go on and we certainly cannot um, continue this and there was one day I said well if nobody else is going to go fight for teachers I am okay and uh, you know and there's a lot that goes on in, in the mind of someone who chooses to run but teachers in therapy because of their job. Not normal. So you've been a educator, mm -hmm. Wyoming, come to Utah and you notice the morale is down here. And you know, folks, obviously right now we're talking about teachers, but this is something I've got two girls and they're now uh, 19 and 22. But if you don't think education matters, I'm going to tell you, you <laughs> you couldn't be farther further from the truth. Uh, education matters. In fact, was it uh, Stalin that said education is a weapon whose hands, it, uh, or was that uh, Hitler? I think it was Stalin that said education is a weapon. Many communists and Marxists throughout history have coined education as a tool of weaponry. Yeah. And then employed it as a tool of weaponry. Yeah. I mean, there is... <laughs> You know, he who own, who runs education runs runs the world. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, this is this is people are concerned about the uh, lack of leadership in this country. They're concerned about the the morals, the values. I, in fact, the founding fathers were very clear that we would only remain free so long as we remained educated, particularly on the principles of liberty. And uh, I'll tell you, it's in fact, you know, you read some of the stat statistics on how many kids graduate college. And don't even understand that know about the three branches of government, let alone the proper role of government. Yeah. So, I mean, if you cannot be free and uneducated and ignorant, 
no, you can't. Because that's how um, how people who are in power control you. They control right. you by your lack of understanding of what your rights are and then how to employ an advocation chain to to employ those rights and then ultimately for the government to secure those rights. Because right. that is the proper role of government right. is to secure the rights of the people. So, you know, to, to our, you know, you know, fathers, mothers, uh, individuals driving right now and thinking about what's going on in our education system. And by the way, feel free to call in. Our The call-in number here is 385-330-5900, extension 100. Again, that's 385-330-5900. This is We Are The People Radio, your host, Jason Preston, with Christina Bogus running for state school board. We're talking about the state of education. And while we're talking about that, the question is, is this an issue in Utah? Does this happen here in Utah? And what I'd love to play is I'm going to play a little um, excerpt from um, actually Fox News. Utah has been on the radar nationally a lot lately. And it's funny because Utah was always one of those states that everyone kind of felt like, oh, there's no problems here in Utah. You know, we're, uh, we're a red state. You know, all is well in Zion. We don't need to worry about things here. But I'll tell you, it seems like the last few months, Utah is co- constantly, constantly on the national media, uh, whether it's our governor talking about uh, pronouns or our governor, uh, you know, saying that, hey, as in a red state, we're going to let uh, men in our women's locker rooms. Uh, or whether it's our election and integrity or lack of integrity issues. I mean, the list goes on. And here's uh, a, a comment about our uh, a little uh, episode from none other than Tucker Carlson talking about a teacher episode we had right here, smack dab in the heart of Happy Valley, Lehigh, Utah. And let's listen to what's going on in your children's well, possibly in your children's schools. This is just someone who happened to catch this on camera. Let's so listen the in. The iPhone is obviously rearranging our brains and making us compliant, dumb, and destroying our attention span. But there is an upside. They have video. So a lot of parents all of a sudden know for certain what is happening in their kids' classrooms. This is actual footage of someone called Leah Kenyon, a chemistry teacher in the Alpine School District in the state of Utah. Watch. Are you a liberal? <laughs> yeah. We'll just keep getting Delta. We'll just keep getting variants over and over and over until people get vaccinated. I hate Donald Trump. I'm gonna say it. I don't care what y'all think. Trump sucks. Turn off the Fox News. Do your parents listen to Fox News? So what? This is my classroom, and if you guys are gonna put me at risk. You're going to hear about it because I have to be here. Most of y'all parents are dumber than you. I'm going to say that out loud. My parents are freaking dumb. Okay? Oh, I could go off on it the whole entire class period if you want me to. But I'm not going to. If you don't believe in climate change, get the hell out. Well, she seems like a happy, well-balanced person. I wonder what her personal life is like. Can you even imagine what she's doing in a classroom? There's so many. There's now one less. Leah Kenyon is apparently no longer employed by the school district in Utah. Jesse Waters is the author of the great book, How I Saved the World, which he did. He joins us to assess. Now, Jesse, you grew up in a school, in, in a school environment, right? 
are teachers worse than they were, or are we just able to record it? <laughs> I'm mostly upset with her syntax, Tucker. I mean, yes, I don't I expect her to speak like Piers Morgan, but she sounds like she just got pulled over during an episode of Cops. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> she does. You know, freaking. With a shirtless man next yeah, to her. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. But, so Tucker, you know when you sing in the shower or you dance in the dark, you're at your freest, you're at your truest self because you don't think anybody is watching. And this is this woman. And this is many teachers, if hundreds if not thousands of teachers believe no one's watching. So they dominate yeah. this space. These kids are of a very tender age and the teachers are kings, they're queens. There's no transparency, there's no accountability. And you can tell by the way she saunters around and slings the propaganda that she's been doing this her entire career. And the only reason she got checked was because there was a camera. But I gotta tell you, she's not gonna get fired. You can't fire teachers, it's almost impossible. The unions will swoop in, They'll file a suit. She'll collect her paycheck or pension. You can go into a classroom drunk, kiss a student, slap a kid. They'll send you into a rubber room at the very most. You know what you can do is do a series of hour-long specials of camera phone video of lunatic teachers. And I hope that kids across this country You are listening we'll be back to on the other side of this commercial. KBJA AM 1640. Live, local, two-way talk. Today, business happens here, here, and virtually anywhere. Because today, innovative companies are reinventing the way business happens. And they need people who can keep up. With the expertise and technology to get packages to over 150 million delivery points. So... Who can help you deliver the future of commerce? The United States Postal Service. See why we deliver more e-commerce packages to homes than anyone at usps.com future. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission your response is critical to our response in places where a few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. And welcome back to We Are The People Radio on KTalk 1640 with your host, Jason Preston, and your co-host, Christina Bogus, running for State School Board District 8 here on Wednesday, July 6th. We've been watching a uh, video about from uh, Tucker about uh, <clears throat> a teacher here in Lehigh, Utah that uh, came unhinged. 
I think we'll go ahead and pause that. But uh, Christina Boggess, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are are many-fold. I think we have to first remember that the laughter you hear in that classroom is uh, laughter of discomfort. Yeah. It's not laughing with her. It's it's laughter of discomfort. And as an educator, um, I know that my students view their self-worth as, as kind of an extension of who they believe their parents are. Mm. So if they believe their parents are someone that's noteworthy and upright, then they are going to view themselves as noteworthy and upright. And even though we, we mold kids and we move them into a new space throughout time, right, they're there's a very clear connection between their view of who their parents are and their view of who they are. Mm. And so the last thing you should ever do as an educator is um, insult a child's parents. Uh, what you learn when, when you go through a divorce that to undermine or belittle the opposing parent is actually really detrimental to those children and to their sense of self. So I would start with, that's just bad form. But secondly, I think we need to remember that we touched some issues that are against the law in Utah in that clip. And um, specifically section 53G-10-202, you know, you cannot discuss political, atheistic, sectarian, religious, any of that stuff can't be discussed in the classroom unless as provided by the code. And this is first day of school. She's introducing herself and we've got this introduction into the classroom and and our teachers know, they know the boundaries. And I think that as educators, we need to abide by those boundaries and, and definitely focus on how we can build up our students and their relationship with their parents. Because when the family is sound, kids abound. Oh, I like that. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm confident that this does not go on in you know, most classrooms. I, I am sure that this is the exception to the rule. I think we've probably got a lot of phenomenal teachers here in Utah. But I can also guarantee that this goes on and is not recorded in every instance, that, that it's not always caught. And, uh, you know, I just have a real problem with the, with the undermining of, of the parents and, uh, you know, calling parents, you know, your parents are probably dumber than you. I just, it's, it's shocking that, that, uh, that, that type of, you know, that, that, that even is out there. But, um, you know, I think there's been such a politic and, and by the way, I did find that quote. It was from Hitler. Or, no, excuse me, it was for Stalin. He said, education is a weapon whose effects depend on who, on who holds it in his hands and who it is aimed at. Mm. So, and I think, I think, and it's not the right versus the left. This is, um, you know, there's corruption on both sides. But um, again, the, the founding fathers knew that uh, to, to maintain our freedoms, we needed a, a population that wasn't just educated in the sciences but was also educated in, in morality mm-hmm. and one of the things that actually you know this is actually a topic that's very important to me I actually graduated from BYU got my degree in education mm-hmm. uh, spent a little time as a teacher and uh, quickly left as uh, do many I think, yeah I think most burn out within the first five years which is unfortunate and you know it was I got well, I was going to school during No Child Left Behind. That's when mm-hmm. I was at uh, BYU, and it was while I was in college I actually realized I would never put my kids in ed- in public school. Mm. So, you know, we actually homeschooled our kids. Uh, so I've definitely been on on the side of of uh, 
not okay with what's been going on there. And I know it's, it's not something everybody can do is homeschool your kids and, and, uh, you know, shout out to those who, who make that sacrifice, but it's, Can it, I it's interrupt not for everyone. Yeah, go ahead. Just for a second. So I, I know that we're, we're talking more about a logistical thing, but when you say homeschool is not something everybody can do, I would view that as logistical as opposed to practical. So I believe that everybody is equipped to educate their children. I, I agree. I genuinely believe that everyone is equipped and, and that parent-child relationship can only grow in, in that homeschool environment. And if that's something that you want to do, then choose that because yeah. everyone is equipped to do that. And if you choose to put your children in public school, then, then own that, but also own your, your part of that. Yeah. Cause I think that's the key is, is, you know, we, we've talked on this show already several times about, about the, you know, a nation is only as strong as the individual it's composed of and individuals are raised and cultured in families. So if the family falls apart, individuals fall apart. And so it's interesting because you look at a lot of these communist Marxist uh, nations, and one of the first things they try to do is is separate the children from the parents and have state-run education mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and really undermine the, the child parental relationship, which is exactly what was going on in that, uh, in that video. So I think you're right, uh, Christina, Wh- whether or not your child is in public education, th- it is our God-given responsibility as fathers and as mothers to be, to, 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 you know, to be the bottom line when it comes to the education of, and raising of our children. You can't, we cannot just pass that off to the state and, and assume they're going to do that. Yeah, I would agree. I think that um, however you choose to raise your children, uh, you choose that and then you own it. Um, but you don't, you don't delegate that responsibility to anyone. Yeah, and I think that just happened. I think it's so easy in our society. We're very busy, right, in our society. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just very busy. We, we get up in the morning. We check our social media. We listen. We put on, you know, the news. We, uh, we, 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 you know, feed everybody, and then we rush off to work. The husband rushes off. The wife rushes off. You know, we're distracted all day at work. Uh, kids are at school having experiences like this, having experiences with their peers. In fact, I, w- I want to get into some of the things that are going on but in the schools specifically, but... You know, they, they come home and oftentimes we're not even having family dinners with our kids anymore. And so at what point are the parents raising their kids today? And, and we're, and again, it's, it's this, and you look at, we live in fast food societies mm-hmm. instead of having, you know, a family at home. When the children come home, we have these latch key kids that come home and the parents get home and they're tired. They're working hard. And, uh, and then it's, I mean, you look at fast food industry, it's exploding because, I mean, that just tells you about our society. It's, it's, it's run through the drive through grab some fast food, you know, get the kids' homework done. They go off to play for a little bit and then off to bed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact of the matter is all you, we need to do is look at society and, so we, and you can see from our sick society that we have sick homes. And it's easy to say, oh, well, not in Utah. Well, I'm sorry, you look at our the the uh, nature of uh, of this state. You look at the political mess we're in. Uh, you know, all is definitely not well in Zion. 
Well, yeah, I think we we could back that up and, and kind of trace trace things around. You know, we live in an entitlement state. We've raised an entire generation of uh, individuals who use adulting as a verb, mm. which is very interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, you know, we have apathy that that is surpassed levels of the past. We have an illiteracy rate. Uh, there's a high school in our state that has an 11% uh, math proficiency score. Uh, and they graduate uh, 83% or something like that of wow. their students. Wow. And so there's there's not just a, um, a reading and writing illiteracy. We have a math illiteracy. We have a learned dependency. Uh, we are putting out um, consumers from our education system and not producers. And we, Interesting. See, we see this. We're putting this, out consumers and not producers. Mm-hmm. T- tell me, why, why is that? I think it's it's partially because we have created this intergenerational disconnect. So, um, you know, for example, when I was young, learning was fun. When somebody asked me once, you know, if you could distill it down to six words, why why you want to run? And I said, we need to restore the love of learning. Yeah, because, you know, folks, think about that, especially you, you that have raised kids. Um, you know, when your kids are three or four, five, six years old, it's it's anytime you talk to them, it's why? Mm-hmm. Why? Tell me why. There, there's this curiosity that is innate in us. And it seems like you put them into school and all of a sudden that, that, that love for learning, that curiosity gets squashed because it's no longer there in control of their own learning. All of a sudden it's, it's well, we're not learning that today. And we're, no, no, we're not studying that today. And we're not studying, no, no. And, and this is, it, it becomes so overtly controlled that uh, you see these kids, their love for learning just disappear. And, and I'll tell you, it ends up with a lot of kids, myself included, ended up hating school. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, you do have teachers that, that reject that mentality, but many of them are, uh, have engaged in that, that whole, it's not in the lesson plan, so it's not today. But right. there are schools that, uh, that dictate um, every teacher in the same grade level has to be on this page and teach the same lesson on the same day in each grade level classroom. That is a thing that does happen in this state. It may not be in every school, but it is in many schools. And so that that is a part of that. But there are other teachers that, you know, I think of a, a, a woman who works down the hall from me. And, um, and she is just one of the most beautiful souls I've ever seen and really takes the experience into it so that they can remember and that, uh, you know, the idea that we learn by doing and we learn by exploring and we learn by all of those things. She really takes that and it's beautiful to see it. It's beautiful to see the pictures of the events she does on the walls. It's, it's a really beautiful thing to see. It seems like the education system pulls extremes. Yes. Like on one hand, you get, uh, I can see, what, what yeah, was the name of the seems. teacher here that uh, in Lehigh? Leah Kenyon. Leah Kenyon. Yeah. On the one hand, you get these Leah Kenyans, and on the other hand, you get the teacher like yourself and the one down the hall who truly love these children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's difficult as a parent because how do you how do you? I mean, it's, it's if if all the teachers were angels, and even if they were angels, we still have these curriculums that are mandated. In fact, for our listeners. You know, we, we've talked about Common Core, um, and that was what they were pushing under uh, Obama mm-hmm. was was Common Core. Actually, that was Bush. Bush was was Common Core, and I think Bush Obama was, was no too, right? child left behind. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. And I believe Common Core came in under the Obama okay. administration. 
So tell us about Utah, because uh, because you know one of the things you talk to people say, oh, we don't have Common Core here. What do we have in Utah? So Utah has its own set of curricular standards, um, but we specifically have what's called Utah Core. And if you look at it side by side with Common Core, you're going to notice uncanny similarities. So it might bear a different name, but the reality is we have had Common Core in this state, and uh, and many of those. And why is that a problem? Why is what? Tell us why that's a concern to people. Well, I think we would start with the way math instruction is delivered. Uh, there's a meme going around. I think it's a GIF, and it says, kids from the 2000s will know this. 9 plus 10 equals 21. Explain it. That's common core math. That, that's exactly the idea of, of how to, to brush through this all, but 9 plus 10 is 19, not 21. And how do they justify that? I mean, how, how is that justified? I don't know that I could articulate that in a way that would make me sound anything but, but silly because when you hear people defend these positions, oftentimes they don't make sense. Do you, do you think it has to do with postmodernism? It could very much so have because, to do with postmodernism. Because, yes. you know, this is one of my concerns about what's happened in, in this in, in this country, and, and not just this country, but our world. Um, you know, Nietzsche back, I guess it was almost 200 years ago, talked about, um, you know, God being, well, no, it wasn't that long ago, talked about God God is dead, mm-hmm. meaning that we would lose and, and and lose our belief in God. And and not only lose our belief in God, but belie- lose our belief in the whole biblical story, Everything that Western society was built upon, that there is absolute truth. And, you know, the danger with, with this belief that there is no God is if there is no God, there is no truth. Everything becomes relative. And, you know, th- there is no definition of, of what is real and what is not real. Two plus two, who's to say that equals four? And the danger is, is and this is, and this is why he predicted what would happen in uh, with communism is he predicted the state would replace God and the state when they replace God they get to redefine truth according to their own terms and whether it's saying you know 9 plus 10 is 21 or saying that hey this mask that science i mean technically we we know covid is doesn't fit through there uh, you know, it works even though we logically know it doesn't or all of a sudden years of saying vaccines prevent and all of a sudden now vaccines don't or saying that this is that there are two genders and all of a sudden now there are infinite numbers of gender. It, you know, that is to me what is so dangerous with common core is it reinforces the idea to these children that there is no truth. There is no God. There is no reality. And that the state can bend truth according to its will. So folks at home, if you, you know, this should be, this alone should be alarming to us. You know, I I will say that there is truth. You know, there is absolute truth. This, this, uh, this whole country was built on the notion of natural laws, um, universal natural laws that happen to align with the 10 commandments that happen to align with, uh, even, you know, the, the philosophers of Socrates and Plato and, you know, all believed in, in natural law, that there, are, that there are laws that nature that govern nature. And the danger is in the last short period of time, now we're throwing all that out the window and saying, 
There is no natural law. There is no truth. Whatever the state says is true, whether you believe it or not. And now we can have a a uh, one of our uh, you know justices when you ask a simple question: What is a woman? Mm-hmm. I'm uh, not a biologist. <laughs> it's dangerous ground, and it's and it's ground fertile for tyranny. So. So again, that's why I have a. Pro- that's one of the reasons I have a, a problem with Common Core. What are some of the other uh, concerns that people have with uh, Common Core, Christina? Well, I think one of the other questions they have or concerns that they have is it it lowered the bar significantly for academic excellence, and it it moved us into a place where we were more concerned about what was being taught as opposed to the level of achievement. So, in other words, we're producing less intelligent, more ignorant, a more ignorant population? I mean, if we don't know, if we're not understanding basic math, if we're not learning, if we don't understand the classics, if we don't understand the principles that uh, this world was built upon, mm-hmm. so, uh, when it you, seems when you like an easy group to control. Yeah, it, and it's very simple. Like you talk about the classics and Common Core moved us from a, a framework of reading a text in its entirety to reading excerpts. And if you read excerpts, it's very difficult to understand the, the purpose or the goal or even the stated uh, framework when you don't read a text in its entirety. It's like reading chapter 19 and pretending you know what's going on. Folks, don't go away. Uh, This is, uh, we're going to get into some fascinating things on the other side of the break, particularly what's going on with, is there porn in our schools? Hold on and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to K-Talk Radio, KBJA 1640 AM, Sandy, Salt Lake City, and all across the Wasatch Front. Bring you live local two-way talk. Posting your job opening to an online job search site is like drinking from a fire hose. You get more resumes than you know what to do with. Robert Half is the better way to hire. Our candidates are interviewed and custom matched to your exact hiring requirements. Quickly. Satisfaction guaranteed. So what you need is just what you'll get. Robert Half. The experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Learn more at roberthalf.com slash radio. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. Your response is critical to our response in places where few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. And welcome back. This is We Are The People Radio here on Wednesday, July 6th, K-Talk 1640. Your host, Jason Preston, having an incredible conversation with Christina Bogus, who is running for State School Board District 8. And I will tell you, folks, I've never met anyone who understands uh, what is going on in the schools better than Christina Bogus. So we just um, been discussing Common Core and some of the challenges with... Uh, what someone say that this nation being dumbed down, 
And it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes by John Henrik Clark. He says, powerful people cannot afford to educate the people that they oppress. Because once you are truly educated, you will not ask for power. You will take it. And you look at these, you know, at these different communist regimes, these different Marxist countries, when they have the takeovers, that is one of the first things they always do is, is sure, they focus on the sciences, but they try to destroy the idea of God. They destroy the idea of truth, and that allows them to basically take the place of God and, and define what truth is. And again, you compare that with what uh, Thomas Jefferson said, you know, enlighten the people generally, and tyranny and oppression of body and mind will vanish like evil spirits at the dawn of day. Are we enlightening our children? Are they, are they truly being educated? Uh, you know, and to, to me, it feels like that's not happening as well as it should. So, on to, on to one of the things that a lot of, that we're getting a lot of feedback on and a lot of controversy right now is people are talking about, uh, you know, is there porn in school? People keep talking about porn in school. Is that real? Uh, Christina, you're closer to this than anybody I know. Is, is this a real issue or is this just hype? Uh, well, I think with everything on the, the campaign trail and in these, these education conversations, you have to define it before you answer that question. So I'm going to define what my um, definition of pornography is. And, and okay, then, let's hear it. Um, yeah, so the defi- definition of pornography as, as related to Utah Code and in my mind is the depiction of sex acts, the depictions of humans in active engagement in sex acts or humans in the state of sexual arousal, whether that be, um, you know, engaging in what is called self-sex or masturbation or engaging with other, other people. And those things are absolutely present in our schools. They're present in mandatory reading for different grade levels, uh, whether that be sexual assault or other, other things that kids are reading about. They're also present in our libraries. So when we hear porn is in our schools, we're not speaking about, uh, naked booties and bare breasts. We're, we're speaking about uh, the depiction of sex acts and many times violent sex acts, rape, um, incest, sodomy. And so when people hear the words porn in schools, they need to reframe that because we're not talking about um, harmless images. We're talking about the visual, the aural, and the written depiction of sex acts or humans in the state of sexual arousal. And that most definitely is in our schools. I, I still have a hard time getting my mind around around that idea that that's actually happening in our schools, um, and that's and that's that coming from the state? Is that coming from the federal? Where, where is that coming from? Like, is that is that coming from you know the, the the federal level or is that coming at the state level? Where's the, you know the, the books that are being put in there? You know the uh, the mandatory reading. Where, where is that? Where is that coming from? So uh, most local levels can um, fulfill standards in local curricular requirements. And so I I would not say that your state has mandated these kinds of books in your schools, but I will say that they've been introduced and your state has failed to act to remove them from your schools. Uh, They, there is a claim that some of this uh, reading and, and writing and visual depiction has literary merit or literary value. And according to our code, it has no value because it depicts a sex act or it depicts a human in a state of sexual arousal, which which would be a prima facie violation. 
So we need to make certain that we um, we engage in that and uh, and move to remove that from our our schools. But um, I don't think there's a state mandate. I think it comes in in other ways. I think it comes into the libraries. Either those books are not carefully vetted or they are vetted with, with malintent. I would like to lean towards the former as opposed to the latter, um, that, that they sneak in and we just need to get in and do our job to do something about it. Yeah, fascinating. And I just don't understand how that could be allowed at any level. Uh, I mean, this you talk about uh, dangers to our children. We've got uh, Timothy Sfar. Is that uh, how you pronounce it? On the line with us? Yes. Timothy Svarth, this is uh, Jason Preston and Christina Bogus here at We Are The People Radio. You are on live. Tell us your thoughts on uh, what's going on in our schools, particularly uh, uh, the uh, these, I don't know if you want to call it porn, but uh, or these what these kids are being shown. What are your thoughts? It's... I come from a LDS uh, Christian viewpoint, and it's my viewpoint that uh, and anybody can disagree with me. They don't have to be religious and, dis- and agree, but my viewpoint is, is that the tribulation is coming quickly, and this is getting the world ready for tribulation. But if you believe that or not, what's important is truth there's a lot of truth that is true. If you ask people, uh, is if a murderer should be go gone free, if you ask the average person on the street, they'll say no. If you ask a prisoner on death row, you pull those people, <laughs> a lot of them will say, yeah, let us free. So there is definite truth, no matter what perspective people come from. You can debate about some things, but other things there's absolute truth but what i want to know is how can i support christina what can i do as a uh, citizen in uh, clearfield utah to help you and others with your viewpoint get elected great question well i think uh, the first thing timothy is thanks for your call the the second would be um the the contribution to a campaign. As Jason talked about early in the show, uh, stepping into this is is very expensive, um, and it, it takes a lot of manpower, it takes a lot of money, and it takes a lot of um, tenacity and grit. And uh, and so the help financially with the campaign is, is huge. And um, if you stick around on the line, I can give you a link to a place where you could contribute to the campaign. I think the other would be to to go to the website and to connect with the campaign and then to determine how we could engage together to uh, to further the cause um, of the election because elections have consequences. We've seen that here in Utah repeatedly in the last few years. And, um, and this election will have grave consequences if, if the people... Um, move in a direction that's going to value relativity, that's going to value um, some of these things above protecting the minds of our children. Well, what's the website I go to? I, I hit and miss parts of the program. Uh, so that's okay. The website for my campaign is um, CB, as in Bogus, the number four, UT for Utah.com. So it'd be CB, the number four, UT. Dot com. Okay, I'm looking it up now. And 
we can contribute to that website? You should be able to. There should be a donate link right there on the homepage. And if you click on that, you can contribute to the campaign right there. Timothy, hey, I'm looking at it. Timothy, thank but, you for uh, calling in. Thank you for being I have concerned. A quick, I have a quick question. Yeah. Can we get literature from that website to pass to, around to our neighbors and friends? Uh, not from the website, but if you uh, get a contact form through that website or if you contribute, I will absolutely connect with you and get you the literature you need. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you, Timothy. Thanks. So, folks, you know, I appreciate uh, Timothy for calling in because, you know, having run for office and having just gone through primaries, <clears throat> you know, we talk about this red wave. And we talk about, you know, this red wave that's going to come through the country. And, and that red wave, it made it, it's as soon as it hit Utah, that red wave just got trampled by a bunch of rhinos. And, you know, and, I, when I, and, and, I'm, and we're so frustrated because we had some really solid people running for office. And, you know, when I talk to people and everyone's, oh, they're upset. One of the things I ask people is, did you donate? Did you help? And, uh, you know, everybody tends to care. They want people like Christina Boggess in office. And it reminds me of a uh, quote from uh, Joseph Smith. And I think uh, a man lost his horse. And it's everyone, everyone came and they felt bad and said they were sorry. And, you know, Joseph Smith said, well, I feel sorry to the tune of $5. How sorry do you guys feel? And it's just an important thing to remember is, is let's put our money where our mouths are. Uh, you know, you've, we've got to dig in and help these good candidates. You know, our children are, are being groomed uh, right now. And, you know, there is, it, again, there is a war on our children. And it is, it is up to us, to fathers, to mothers, to stand up, to put good people in office like Christina Boggess, to, you know, stand up and say, you know, not a, to draw the line and say, you know, you're not going to, you cannot go any further. This is enough. And at some point that line has to be drawn. Personally, I think that line was should have been drawn a long time ago. But, um, you know, there was one other thing I would like to ask to her about because I know she's very informed on an issue up with, the, with the boys. We, we're having a boy crisis in this country. Uh, it, it is heartbreaking to those who understand what's happening to, to, to boys, to men, because boys become men. And uh, boys that don't turn to strong men become weak men and weak men are dangerous to society they fill our prisons they they're they're the culprits of rape and of violence and you know that's the last thing a country needs is weak men and we have a nation full of weak men and weak men start as boys so christina uh Bogus, tell us about the the war on boys i think the the war on boys is is manyfold. Uh, if you look at the data, um, and and I can just send you a picture that you can share with your listeners or your viewers, uh, the number of boys that have attended college has decreased. Um, it's in it's at a downward trend, um, and part of that is our schools are becoming more and more and more designed for the feminine. I mean, there's there's a physiological difference between girls and boys. There's um, not only a, a physical difference, but there's a mental difference. And uh, the reality is, you know, as a mom of three boys, uh, if I've learned anything as, as a mom of all boys, it's that boyhood is not a disease. It's just not. Boys. Do they treat boyhood as a disease, do you think, in our society now? I think that with the effort 
to um, to equalize children and view them all as the same, right? And and not as unique individuals. We've put boys on a playing field that they can't compete on. Yeah. And uh, and many of our classrooms are really designed for girls. They're not designed for little boys who want to get up and play and run every 20 minutes. They're not designed for boys who want to dig in and explore. Uh, they're not designed for boys who want to build. You, you can see brilliant architects throughout time, and many of them became brilliant by doing. Mm. And uh, some of your greatest artists are young boys who drew on papers and then became architects. And um, when, we, when we design things uh, around something that boys don't naturally tend themselves toward, it, it is going to quash them. Uh, we have put, and, and not, not unjustifiably, but we have put such an overwhelming emphasis on empowering women that, that I believe we've neglected some of our boys in, in addressing what they need, not just inside the classroom, but beyond the classroom. So you mentioned one of the cha- one of the uh, effects of this has been less boys going to college. What are some of the other effects that uh, that that? What are some of the other problems with that the boys are experiencing today? Uh, well, I I would call it an inability to to adult if we want to use that as a as a verb. We've got a we've got a generation of people um, that uh, that can't seem to get and keep a job. And, and we can look at data and, and disaggregate that. But we've got um, boys who hate school. And you, you know you know as well as me, if you don't want to be somewhere, you either mentally check out or you physically check out. And so regardless of how these young men check out, they're checking out. And it shows in their test scores. It shows in, in what they're contributing to society. Uh, and, and I think we have to move to empower men, not just empower men as, as a general rule in our society, but to empower our boys to become men because our boys are growing into adolescence. There was a study done recently. I can't remember where, but I can get you the information where they say adolescence extends into your 35th year of life. (laughs) And so really, instead of saying that's what physiologically happens, they're saying this is what is happening Ergo, it's like this new standard. It's not a new standard. It means that our men are not becoming men. Our men are staying boys, and we need to empower our boys to become men. Yeah, and uh, boys, adult boys, cannot start families. They cannot provide for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing. As a boy is still provided for by, you know, mom and dad or, or the state. And now we have men. Well, what should be men is adult boys who are still looking for someone to take care of them. Stay living at home for ex- exorbitant amounts of time. And uh, again, as, as, as the individuals go, so goes the nation. And you know, we talk about this leadership crisis we have here in America. And I think it's really easy to see that it starts, at least one big part of it is, is in our classrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to see classrooms that really embraced boyhood. Just boys are different from girls, and that's okay. Let's just embrace it because when we embrace people's individuality and we embrace their their unique gifts, then that person can really grow. But when we suppress their individuality and we suppress how they're made and how they're gifted, then then they don't grow and thrive. It, it's it's like giving a flower the food that it needs. Our young boys and our young girls 
need to be nurtured in a unique way according to their individual traits. And if we honored that, I think we would see education take a whole new a whole new path that would be um, really beautiful to watch. And Utah could be a beacon. They could be a beacon by making certain that we we engage young people with their individual gifts and talents and how they're made and how they engage and how they learn. Well, Christina, I really, really would love to have you on again because, you know, we've spent time visiting and honestly, we have not even touched uh, some of of the issues. Uh, How about the role of and the problem with big tech in our schools? You want to touch that one in two minutes? It sounds like it sounds like we're moving into break, uh, folks. Uh, let's thank Christina Bogus for joining us, running for state school board district eight. Incredible, incredible woman, teacher, leader, uh, concerned about stepping up and and, and uh, fixing our schools. Visit her website CB for Utah UT dot com. Yep. Thank you, Christina, and we look forward to having you again. God bless you. And welcome back to We Are The People Radio, K Talk 1640. This is your host, Jason Preston. We had a great hour with Christina Bogus, who is running for state school board in District 8. Phenomenal understanding what's going on in our schools. Um, and thankful for that we've got good people running. And please, let's let's get in the fight. If you want good people like Christina in office, uh, let's put our money where our mouths where our mouths are. Let's stand up. Let's get involved. We can volunteer, uh, especially now. Primaries are over, and we kind of had a rhino rampage, and uh, so now we have a, a few solid people. And it's it's we've got to get behind these people and get them through in November. Well, I mentioned at the top of the hour we're going to be having Chris Kimball join us, and I'm very excited to have uh, Chris. She actually was a host here on K Talk uh, not too long ago with uh, Liberty Moms, and she's going to join us for this second hour here on uh, July 6th. Chris Kimball, welcome to We Are the People Radio. Thank you, Jason. It's good to be back. Good to be back on live radio. I have been on kind of in the podcast world for the last uh, 18 months or so, and I really do miss live talk radio. I miss the calls and interacting with our listeners, and so this is um, fun for me to be back and talk a little bit about Utah politics and, uh, you know, just discuss. You, you mentioned the last the election that just ended, you know, last week. We'll have a certification. I don't know why it takes us so long to get results here in Utah, but uh, we'll have it certified by next Tuesday. But, yeah, there was some disappointments, and— I don't know if some of that was because we had a couple of people who are, um, they think they're Republicans, they're in the Republican Party, but yet they really do act like Democrats. And I'm referring to Becky Edwards, for one. And she was actively recruiting Democrats to 
affiliate as Republicans so they could vote in our primary. And I have a feeling that that may have caused some down voting that bumped out some of our good candidates in some of these races, especially uh, school board races. I, I, I'm trying to remember, it seemed like Melanie Mortensen, for one, it was just a couple of hundred votes. And uh, if you've got somebody that's been out recruiting liberals to infiltrate our Republican Party, like you know Becky Edwards did, then it could affect a lot of different races in the state, yeah. all across the state. Yeah, I, I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I find it fascinating. I spent about, uh, what, six years in Florida. And while I was out there, I got very involved politically uh, in a in a legislative uh, research firm came back to Utah and thought was excited because I was like this is the place where you know the predominant culture believes the constitution is inspired by God and it, you know you get out and you start talking to people and it didn't take long for me to realize that um, and I've worked all over the country I mean I've in in the south so I've, I've had a lot of a lot of political conversations with business owners and with you know just, just everyday people, and I was like shocked, literally shocked by Utah because you know you, you know, when you're talking to people in in Florida and Texas and in Alabama and the Carolinas, I mean, immigration is a huge issue. You know, people wanted the wall. People, you know, and people were very pro-Trump. Uh, people were concerned about the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, gay marriage, and 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 they were, you know, concerned about all the issues. And then you come to Utah, and it's like, I mean, literally, I was shocked by how liberal Utah is. It truly is. In fact, I've been saying for a while that Utah is, if anything, it's purple. It is not yeah. red, at any stretch of the imagination. It is not red at all. And our our legislative body, what I've seen happen is, in fact, let's talk about Chris Herod, for example. When he was up in the legislature here in Utah, and he's the one that just ran, um, he actually was in the race you were in yeah, for Congress. Yeah. And he sat in the legislature for, I think, five or six years. And his voting record at that time was uh, with the grassroots, uh, Utah grassroots was 90%, a conservative rating. You, you're you lucky if you can get anyone breaking 80% today in our Utah state legislature. It's like they're a star if they're breaking 80. Every now and then you'll have, um, I mean, Mark Roberts did a great job and, and he was consistently good. But by and large, it's a very much more moderate. Even the conservatives are much more moderate than they used to be. And I don't know if it's because they um, are afraid of standing up against leadership, because there's a lot of pressure from leadership at the House, in the, in the, the Speaker in the House and the President in the Senate, to um, put forward a lot of bills that are really um, anti-liberty, anti-family. And you have to really be confident in your principles and be willing to stand strong and realize that there's going to be some pushback and maybe some uh, you might not get on committees that you thought you might would want to be on just because you're willing to take a stand. And that does happen here in Utah, unfortunately. You know, and it's interesting because across the country you have it's, it's really become, you know, you've seen these conservative states really start to stand up. I think Florida is, is a solid example. In fact, uh, last year when I decided to run for office, uh, 
I do spend a lot of time in Florida still. Uh, you know, we have family there and friend. Uh, so we, I was in Florida last uh, June, and my wife and I are like, you know, someone with my you know my uh, personality type, I would do really well in Florida. I mean, Florida is like they're very they're pro Trump, they're America first. You know, they're 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 tired of of the political correctness. And uh, my wife and I thought, you know, we could move back to Florida and run here in Florida. And and I've got again, I've done a lot of political work, so I have a lot more political connections there than I have in Utah. And uh, but it's interesting because you know, on one hand, you've got DeSantis who is standing up, saying, you know, we're, we're he's standing up with the federal government for, on issues from COVID to the to the CRT in the schools. I mean, from just to standing up to Disney, standing up to the wokeness. And then you've got Utah, and we have our governor here, who's identifying himself with pronouns and 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 you know wanting to have trans you know men in women's sports, men in our daughters' locker rooms. It's like, it's I mean, it's like my head is spinning because wait a minute, what's Utah and what's Florida? I mean, what state am I in? What, I what do you think? Why is that? That would have to be. I mean, talk about a split personality because you're you're in the state and and like Florida. Florida has really been a champion and. Um, uh, according to uh, some of the uh, uh, take on how the 2020 election turned out, they weren't expecting that Spanish vote to go Trump. Right. Yeah. Okay. Miami, Miami almost went red. Yeah. They weren't expecting that because the, the liberal Democrats have always had the Latino vote. They've always counted on that. And the fact that they lost that really upset the apple cart on election night on November 3rd. And that's why you saw all these states stop counting, because they had to readjust game plan like, all right, we lost Florida, because they did not figure in the Latinos voting for Trump like that. So um, you have this amazing governor, and then you have the antithesis here in Utah, who um, I don't even know if he really... I don't even know if he really thinks he's governor. He's he. I mean, he's governor, but if he thinks he's conservative because yeah. he's trying to be too woke. Yeah, he he yeah. He's really bought into the woke ideology, and and the fact that he would support organizations like um, the Utah Jazz when they were doing their scholarships for um, city inner city schools. If you were white, you could not have access to that scholarship. So they were basically profiling white children which is racist. So if you were black or color, a child of color, you could have a jazz scholarship, but not if you were a poor white child in Utah. And he supported that. And that's just uncalled for. Yeah, it, it is. In fact, I, I, there's a, uh, I mean, in, in, again, you, Florida all over the map. And again, Florida's Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it's, it's not, you, know, you have so many New Yorkers moving to Florida and yet Florida is here just taking the lead and setting the stage. And it's not just the governor, it's their state legislators. They've got a, in fact, I've got a friend who's in their state legislator and, and he's just a solid, solid conservative. And yet then you come here to Utah and like, I mean, it's, it's again, instead of having a red wave here, it felt like we had a rhino rampage. <laughs> we did. We did. And I, again, I'm, I try to, to figure that out. I know that there's a lot of, in this culture, and again, part of Utah that makes Utah an anomaly is the idea that it's such a influence by a predominant church here in the state. And so you have uh, maybe statewide membership uh, or statewide 
public is maybe 60% LDS, something like that. But I think that's where they get this conception that, oh, it's a religious state, there's a predominant religion, therefore they must be conservative. But yet, we don't vote conservative. And we don't even, we we produce legislation that other liberal states do. In fact, we buy into liberal ideology and the idea that we already had vote by mail already entrenched and motor voter laws that inflated the voter rolls prior to 2020 is really crazy. From what I understand, we are the only red state that has mail-in voting. Have you heard that? Where it's universal. You know, universal, right. Yeah, universal, meaning you don't ask for it. It's being sent to you uh, without any any ID, anything to say that you live at that address. It's just you were on the roll at one point, and and it's coming your way. And, Jason, I have to to tell you, I was part of a group of Utahns that went down to uh, Clark County, Nevada, right after the election on November 3rd, and we canvassed. And we went door to door because there were so many irregularities. And all we did is we followed up on ballots that kicked out in the primary because there was a problem with the ballot during where, the primary. Where was this at, Nevada? Clark County, okay. Las Vegas area. Okay. And uh, But all of a sudden, in the general election in November, those ballots were counted. Mm. And it's like, now wait a minute, they were kicked out in the primary, but for some reason, they allowed those ballots to be voted with in the general. And so we went and knocked on doors, and we had both Democrats and Republicans that were thanking us for the follow-up work. And we just asked them what their voting experience was like, if they enjoyed the vote by mail, and you'd be surprised at how many people were, I didn't vote by mail. Really? I went down to the school and voted, and yet their ballot showed up in the mail. Or you would drive up to an address, because that's the only way you can verify um, people living at a specific address is to just go to the door, right? Right. The first address I go to drive and find doesn't even exist. It's just a fake address. Wow. But yet there was a ballot that was processed for that address, and someone voted at an address that didn't exist. So we found enough fraud. We We filed affidavits on all these irregularities took it to court, and there was enough irregularities in this particular county commission race in Clark County that they had to hold a new election. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I spent a lot of time doing the political work I do actually in, in Vegas during 2020. And I will tell you, the people there were furious about how the way the, the government and the left handled COVID because... I mean, you look at it, it is it is a tourist destination, and they shut down tourism. You had, I mean, they literally shut that city down. Nobody was working. Uh, folks, looks like we've got a radio or a commercial coming on. Join us on the other side. Fascinating conversation with Chris Kimball. We'll be right back. You're listening to K-Talk Radio, KBJA 1640 AM, Sandy, Salt Lake City, and all across the Wasatch Front. Bring you live local two-way talk. 
I was diagnosed with diabetic. High blood pressure. High cholesterol. Terrible acid reflux. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Wouldn't you rather be healthy, energetic, and fit? I'm Dennis Black. Ten years ago, here in Dallas, I developed a Texas-sized solution to America's health crisis. TexasSuperfood.com I make my Texas superfood from 55 raw, vine-ripened fruits and vegetables. Alfalfa leaves, aloe vera, apples, asparagus, raspberries, spinach, all of the nutrients. You know, it's been barely a week and already my skin is better. I lost 60 pounds. I mean, that's huge. Since I've been on superfood, I haven't been sick. It's borderline shocking how much energy I have. Thousands of people take my Texas superfood every day. Join us on TexasSuperfood.com TexasSuperfood.com Or call 877-55-TEXAS That's 877-55-TEXAS 877-55-TEXAS Or TexasSuperfood.com Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. Your response is critical to our response in places where few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. And welcome back to We Are The People Radio here on 1640 K-Talk. On Wednesday, July 6th, it is 521, and we're having a fascinating conversation with Chris Kimball. And, uh, you know, she actually ran for uh, State House, is that correct? State House up in Davis County and down in Salt Lake County. So she's, uh, she's seen it all. She's had a, a talk show here in, in 2015 called Liberty Moms and continues to have a, a podcast. And what, what is the, is the uh, name of your podcast? Liberty Moms, and we're part of the Loving Liberty Network. And so you can access the podcast easily with the app, the Loving Liberty app that's found on the app store. So that's the easiest way to um, locate that. Okay. And she has been a... A freedom fighter, probably for life. Is that fair to say? Well, it seems like it's been a long time, but really, I just got engaged around 2000, uh, 2009. Okay. Oh, wait, no, I guess it was 2006. That's when I first kind of got engaged in a neighborhood meeting that was trying to... That was Bush. That was still Bush then, right? Still Bush, yep. yes. And uh, the big fight up in Davis County, well, the big fight in the state was the voucher issue. That's kind of when I, I got engaged um, with, uh, with the process at that time. And I honestly didn't know anything. And so I want to give our listeners, and our listeners here on KTalk are pretty savvy, but, um, you know, if you would have asked me, who's your representative, I would have said, I don't know. Sit like most most people names, don't, yeah. See what sounds familiar. I really didn't know. I was engaged with raising my children. My kids were little, and I had started my own uh, my own business, and so I just didn't have time to be paying attention to what was happening on the news or politics or anything. And that's not a good excuse, but that's just what happens when you're in the throes of raising children. But uh, when I did get in, involved and started getting educated. I was really um, fascinated with it. I just, it really sparked an interest. I, um, again, I, I mentioned before, I ran for office the first time. I didn't win. But what was interesting is 
it got me in front of the delegates up in Davis County. And so that next year when they were organizing Davis County um, Republican Party, I ran for vice chair and got elected. Ran against an incumbent who had every single candidate, every elected person in Davis County sponsoring him and endorsing him. And I ended up being able to what, win. What year was that? That would have been in 2011. Okay. And then yeah. uh, during the Romney, when he ran for president, uh, I ended up becoming the chair of the party that particular year. Um, so were you a Romney fan when he ran for president? You know, I've had to repent. No. Dang, I know. Oh. I know. Ouch, right? Yeah. I mean, but I have. I've repented, but I That's that you need to repent. But I do. I will <laughs> I will say I did not vote for Romney in the primary. That's good. I was a Ron I ran I voted for Ron Paul. Yeah, so did I. I so, I actually was uh wide awake back then and I knew that he was deep state. So I, I, and then when it became him and Obama, I was, I just felt like it was every single year. It was kind of like you ended up with two bad choices, right? You got, a, you got someone who was like a, a hawk for war and for, and for, you know, driving us into endless foreign wars and, and building up the department of education and, or, or someone to push dragging us, driving us into socialism. It felt like a no win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when I voted my conscience, I was like, I, I yeah, see, he wasn't there. As Your far conscience as, wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Ron Paul. No, we'll go with Ron, Ron Paul, Paul was good. He was yeah. solid. Yeah. But I did not do enough homework on Romney because once he started, once he ran in Utah and I d- did the deep dive. Oh, seriously. I was sick to my He's stomach. horrible. I was sick. I found all these videos. So much of his, he had so much baggage. I've never seen any candidate with so much crap attached to him. Sorry to say that word crap, but he had so much baggage. I mean, he had abortion. Okay. He had gay marriage. The first state in the United States to embrace gay marriage was Massachusetts when he was governor. And then at the time I thought, well, he had a Democrat house. They would have passed the law. He, you know, a bill trying to enforce it. And, and then I found out that it was just on a court ruling in Massachusetts. The Massachusetts court ruled on it. And as governor, he implemented it. And that's not even his role. He can't make law. He should have waited. In fact, even to this day, there's nothing on the state legislative books that legalizes gay marriage. Okay, and so he needed to wait for the legislative body to pass a law. Okay, and he didn't. He started enforcing gay marriage right out the gate. He's the one that implemented gay marriage in the United States. Okay, and and so he's attached to that. And when I had a chance to vet him at the convention here in Salt Lake, you know, he tried, uh, he ended up yelling at me at convention because I just would not allow him to have his pat answers. But, you know, he said, well, what do you want me to do? Did you want me to ignore the Supreme Court? And I said, absolutely. I said, that was just a ruling. You are a governor. You don't have any ability to enforce any law. And he just didn't like that, you know, I made him take ownership of that. And then he wanted to, he tried to say how he was all about families. And I said, you're not about families if you've been endorsed by the LGBTQ community. There's no way you can play both sides of this. So the other thing is abortion. He's been caught. He's on video when he ran against uh, Ted Kennedy. He came out and publicly stated on video that children had the right to have an abortion. Children meaning anyone under the age of 18. Romney. Romney. 
anyone under the age of 18 should have a right to an abortion. And if their parent does not agree, then they should be able to go to a judge and that judge will give them permission. So look at how many levels. Parental rights out the door. Government stepping in to, to be the role of the parent is what Mitt Romney thinks is okay. And then having a child have an abortion procedure. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a woman's body, and he thinks that's okay for children. You, you know, the irony of this is <clears throat> how many people I heard in, in Utah saying that, uh, you know, that he was going to fulfill the prophecy of saving the Constitution. Do you ever, do you ever hear that one? And uh, the irony of, I'm going to play this little clip about um, an interview when, when he was running for president. They asked about his, you know, is this going to be a problem with you being a Mormon and you believing in divine revelation from God? Like, if, if the prophet tells you to do something or if you have divine revelation, what are you going to do? And uh, I'm actually going to play this clip because I think it'll shock people what, what our, the senator of Utah has to say about that. Here we go. Browse right here in Utah. Romney was asked about God and what God might say to him or to LDS church leaders. And as Chris Van Oker is here to show us, Romney's answer might surprise you. Barb, this interview between Romney and a Boston TV station aired about 10 days ago. His comments about the LDS church didn't cause too much of a ripple back east. But here in Utah, they seem to raise questions about how his view of the LDS Church was founded. Our next guest is the former governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney. In a lengthy interview with one of Boston's most prominent journalists, Mitt Romney was asked the following. Should God speak to you and ask you to do something that might be in conflict with your duties as president, or should he speak to your prophet who would speak to you, how would you make that decision how would you handle that to which he responded i I don't recall god speaking to me i I don't know that he's spoken anyone since uh, moses in the bush or perhaps some others but But this answer appears to contradict one of the foundations of the lds church in the church's first vision a young joseph smith is visited by god the father and jesus christ and that smith heard god speak the following one of them spake unto me calling me by name said pointing to the other this is my beloved son hear him and if as romney suggests that god hasn't spoken to anyone for thousands of years then what happens to the lds church's belief in direct revelation from god to church prophets such as the 1978 revelation that blacks could hold the priesthood I'm really not running for pastor-in-chief. And contacted by ABC4 News, Romney's campaign issued the following statement. Quote, Governor Romney is very proud of his faith, and he endeavors to live by it. Now, we also asked the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints for a comment about Romney's statement, but the Church politely declined our request. Randall? All right. Thank you, Chris. The Iowa caucuses... Well, there you have it. No man has spoken to God, according to Romney, since Moses in the burning bush. It's really interesting because even the current president of the church encourages everyone to listen and hear the voice of the Lord, the voice of God, give you 
your inspiration, give you your directions, your instructions on what's best for your life. And so it's missing a huge key component of our relationship with God. Yeah, maybe he didn't really grow up understanding the doctrine of the church. Maybe that's maybe he was never very involved in the church. I mean, he was only a stake president, right? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Okay. Yes. I mean, how do you how do you wrap president. your mind around yeah. that? A guy who is a stake president <clears throat> promoting abortion. Pro- I mean, gay marriage, saying no one has spoken with saying he will this is a guy who is clearly consumed with power. Well, and I think, you know, he has gone through a change because I think he, he relied on his, his faith and his inspiration for, for him to be able to um, vote to convict Trump of uh, impeachment when there was no evidence that there was anything to impeach. But somehow he got some revelation all of a sudden, where where'd that come from? What didn't he say um, when when he's questioned? Uh, Choose the right when the choice is placed before you. Quote a primary hymn. I mean, look, you know, and the fact of the matter is, I'm of course I'm I'm upset with with Romney, but but here's what I want to know: Utah, how in the H did you put him in office? A guy, I mean, when you, when, you, when you listen, you know, to what Chris has to say, when you listen to what he says, you know, how in the world did we in Utah end up with Romneys, with Coxes, with, you go down the line, Blake Moores, and, and, let, and I mean, let's not forget John Curtis. Tell, tell us, you know, uh, tell us your thoughts on John Curtis. John Curtis is, is interesting because he, um, he, Everything got reassigned. We had a new district, and uh, I, we're a conservative state. And so I thought it was interesting that I kept getting robocalls during the last couple of weeks of the campaign from a group called Defending Main Street. Defending Main Street. So I looked up the PAC. It's a political action committee, and I'm not saying that— Curtis hired them or anything like that because they they work independently. But this particular political action committee works with candidates that are centrist, so moderate in the middle, in swing districts. Okay, there's nothing swing district about CD3 in Utah. Well, I I might challenge you on that. I mean, technically, he has been a Democrat his whole life. Well, he's he's the <laughs> swing component. <laughs> he, he, in Utah, it's not it's it's a swing from rhino or Democrats to true conservatives. Yes, yeah, right? it's, it's a swing if you're a Democrat trying to run as a Republican. That makes it a swing race. But I just thought it was interesting because there's a, a particular former congressman that started this um, PAC and it basically is to take out any conservatives who might have been attached to the Tea Party movement, which, you know, Mike Lee is part, uh, when he got elected 12 years ago, was part of, I'm not saying he was endorsed by the Tea Party, but he was part of uh, that he was Tea very much, Party wave. Yeah, very much part of the Tea Party yes, wave. Yes, that, that got in. And so this guy in particular, this... Um, uh, oh, let me look at his name here. Uh, S- Congressman Steve. He's not there anymore. Uh, Latoot. He obviously, I'd, I'd love to go back and look at his voting record, but he created a pack specifically to get rhinos elected 
basically is what it is, because he didn't want conservatives. But yet my phone call that I heard from Defending Main Street was telling me that John Curtis was the only conservative. So they're using conservative lingo with their robocalls to convince the voters that John was conservative. And he's not. He's not conservative at all. I mean, and you get the average uneducated. This is the problem with mail in voting because I actually think if we didn't have mail in voting and and SB fifty four, we would have without doubt had a red wave, a, a conservative red wave in Utah. But when you have mail in voting, all of a sudden you have people voting who have no idea who these people are. It's just a piece of paper. And when you get someone who calls in and says, hey, he's the only conservative running and you haven't done any research, I mean, decision made. Right. Exactly. And that's unfortunate because I know just from people that were, well, when I'm out and about, you know, because I'm helping on different campaigns and you knock doors or you're talking to people, a lot of people didn't even know there was an election going on. They didn't even know there was a, they don't even know that it's primary season. And so all of a sudden they get these ballots and uh, they they have no idea who's running unless they get this phone call and they're like, oh, incumbent. And we have a culture here in Utah. I don't know where it comes from, but we have a culture that seems to really idolize people in elected office, medical doctors, and people in the school like school boards, okay? Authority. Christina Boggs on here earlier. And so she is someone that's coming in not from the education establishment. I call them educrats, okay? Educrats, I like it. They are educrats, yeah. And, but we have a lot of people that totally put their trust 100% in the educrat community and just think that they know best and that's who you have to, you have to support them and keep them in office. And, it has caused the demise. I mean, look at our education system today. Look at what's going on in Utah. I mean, we should be... It's terrifying. It's terrifying that we can be a conservative state and we have the same troubles that's hurting every other state in the United Uh, States. Our children are being groomed here in Utah. And it's the byproduct of Common Core, which I'm sure came up in the in the last mm-hmm. hour, but when Common Core came in, it just set the platform so that all of these um, ideologies could be distributed and, and inseminated all throughout the school systems throughout America simultaneously. Okay, and and now we're we're paying, and we have one governor in particular that we can thank for that, former Governor Herbert. Yeah. He owns Common Core upside and down. And the biggest thing he was complaining and whining about when he left office is he couldn't figure out how come we have so many socialists in our schools. And it's like, (laughs) because you put in the platform to indoctrinate them. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's a good thing now we have Cox, who was running on the platform of education. So I think we've got our savior. We've got a, a phone call coming in from the... Famous Miss Alexia Preston. Alexia, you are on live with uh, Jason, Hi. your husband, and Miss Mrs. Chris Kimball. What you got? Uh-oh. Sorry, I couldn't be there with both of you today, but I'm hoping to be there soon, if not tomorrow, maybe next week. But I heard you guys chatting about the... Uh, Alexia, the- we are coming into a commercial break. If you hold on one moment, we'll uh, get your thoughts on the other side.
You're listening to K-Talk Radio, KBJA 1640 AM, Sandy, Salt Lake City, and all across the Wasatch Front, bringing you live, local, two-way talk. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, it helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Let farmers share with you practical knowledge gained from more than 90 years of experience. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Find an agent at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Right now, Doctors Without Borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world. When front yards become front lines, when disaster erupts, when disease rages, when communities collapse under crisis, at the crossroads of conflict and epidemic, where there are no hospitals, that's where we operate. We go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most. In nearly 70 countries, we're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. And welcome back to We Are The People Radio on KTOC 1640. This is your host, Jason Preston, and we are uh, privileged to hear from Chris Kimball here with us. I ran for uh, state uh, house, ran for the school board, actually had a show here on Liberty Moms and still has a podcast. Uh, Fascinating woman, very much understands what's going on here in Utah. And uh, let's go ahead and jump to our phones. We've got Alexia... Preston, who's been uh, on hold. Uh, Alexi, are you still with us? I am. All right. What you got? What's your thoughts? So I hear you speaking about Spring District uh, of District 3, John Curtis's district, and found out something interesting. As of this year, it's always historically been the most liberal district in Burgess's district, CD4. But with redistricting this year, it's actually shifted over to CD3, John Curtis's district, which is now the most liberal district in all of Utah. Um, so they've actually beaten out District 4, which wavers between Democratic and, and Republican control. So that's possibly why they might have had their eyes set on CD3 as a, a swing district, because that seems to be the direction it's heading in. You know, you bring up a good point, Alexia, because I was looking at the new boundaries for CD3, and it went up into Park City, and Park City is as blue as blue as can be, and for him to be able to pick up that area would have been a big boon, as well as uh, there's a little bit more into Salt Lake, I believe, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you're right, it, that that probably helped him. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he's, like I say, he's a Democrat. I mean... Democrat his whole life until, what, in his early 40s, he uh, switches to, I mean, what, just five, five years ago? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, how, right. do you, how do you shift and, your entire ideology in your 40s? And, All and, of a sudden, oh, I went from being a Democrat to now I'm a Republican. I mean, it is beyond me. And it's not just the idea that, hey, I'm a Democrat. He was the chair of the Utah County Democrat Party. Like, you are owning it. You are 
propose, you know, you're moving all those principles forward to the people. You're, you're supporting all the Democrats. So you're perpetuating it. It's like, it's not just, oh, yeah, I kind of felt like I'm a little bit more moderate and in the middle, so I voted Dem. No, he is so Democrat. And, and the thing is, his whole family, I mean, his wife is, is Democrat. Um, the Snars, his cousin on his wife's side is Carol Moss, one of the most liberal women in the legislature who is pro-abortion. Um, oh, my goodness, so many things that, um, in fact, she's one that I happen to run against because a couple of years ago, I want the listeners to realize sometimes you step up to the plate, not because you want to, but because there's a duty to. And she was running when I first moved into Salt Lake County. She was running unopposed. She didn't have a Democrat challenger. No repu- Nobody was challenging her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she just cannot have this seat, you know, because people in elected positions have uh, egos. They get egos very, very quickly, and all they need is to not be opposed, and that just expands even worse. And so at the very last minute, I'm sitting there praying, please, somebody, please, somebody jump in. And I went down and filed it 10 minutes to five just to give her an opponent. Good for you. And uh, ran against her. And again, here's the populace. I mean, I'm out in Holiday, Murray area, and uh, we had Republicans that thought they were so nuanced because they felt like, you know, we need some balance in the legislature. So I think it's good that we vote for Democrats periodically so that I'm voting for the Democrat. And it's like, but you don't, are you looking at her record? Like when you vote for her, you're affirming that you're okay, that she's going to vote to protect the ability for people to kill a baby. Are you thinking that through? Or you just think you're just a little bit smarter than everyone else because you're voting for a Democrat, you know? And I think people have disconnected, especially on the abortion issue. There's this huge mental disconnect that it's not, yes, of course there's a woman involved and, and women are as, the, as big a victim as, as anyone in that whole abortion debate, but it's killing a life. It's killing a baby, a human life. And we've lost that discussion. And it's just been um, mulled over as far as health care. And, and I'm sorry, abortions are not health care. They're very dangerous. Women die from abortions, whether it's in the hospital, uh, taking the RU486 pill. Um, there's people, women die. Women are sometimes harmed where they can never have children the rest of their lives. They suffer with depression. It's horrible to put a woman through that when there is a safe alternative for them to just give up the child and right. have it adopted. Right. But, um, but anyway, the, uh, uh, that's what we're looking at sometimes with people when we go out um, is the fact that, you know, you knock on doors and they're, they just think, oh, yeah, we need to have a little bit of balance in the legislature. So I'm going to vote for the Democrat. Yeah, it's it's just <clears throat> it's mind blowing, and even you know, and that's one of the things that's frustrating about Utah is even when we had Project Veritas come and and um, expose Curtis. In fact, tell me your thoughts on the on the interview where they said he was against the trigger laws, and now here, ironically, just a couple days later, uh, Roe versus Wade gets overturned. And uh, now we're dealing with trigger laws. Tell me your thoughts on Curtis with abortion and and the trigger laws and what's happening here in the state now. Well, John Curtis has, from what I have seen, uh, anything that's come through since he's been in the legislature, he has been, he has voted on the side of life. Okay. But I've not seen him as a very big activist. 
Um, in fact, the first time I saw him show up to anything was last Saturday up at the Capitol, and he, he came up to make a few remarks, and I'm sure it was to do damage control from the Project Veritas. Oh, yeah. But I've been out to, I don't know how many countless pro-life events here in Utah, in Washington, D.C., and he's never there. But they do love to promote themselves as pro-life, but yet they don't do anything that really helps the pro-life movement. And so, um, you know, talk is cheap. And Well, I you mean, have to remember some... he's the quiet fighter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's the quiet fighter. He's the fighter. quiet fighter. Yes. Who just okay. stays quiet so that we don't find out how he's, what he's fighting for. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Yeah, so, or he had to um, fight for him. I mean, it was interesting you brought up that his wife is a, a Democrat, a lifelong Democrat as well. Because little known fact, she actually physically assaulted Jason during convention, state convention, uh, just this last year. And had the tables been turned and it had been me going after Curtis, that would have been blasted all over KSL News, Deseret News, Twitter would be exploding. Um, but she physically came after Jason. Um, we have video of it, and we had a security guard there who got the bunt of it, but it was a very desperate move that you typically only see from, from the left, um, which is really indicative of, of their family, and, and <laughs> we see who the quiet fighter is, and we see who the physical <laughs> fighter is in that. Maybe. You know, conventions, I'm serious, you, things happen at conventions that you would not see anywhere else, and it's worth it to be a delegate. Oh, yeah. Just to have a front row seat, because when you see those kind of altercations, and believe me, they happen. Um, Gary Herbert assaulted um, one of the women that are part of our study group, United Women's Forum, and she's like, you know, a retired grandmother, and she just brought up the word common core, and he got triggered and just grabbed her and started shaking her. And nobody got that on film. It was so, so sad. So I'm glad that you were able to get that on tape. But what, what got her so riled up? What did, what did you? She said, she came up to me and she said, uh, how, do you, how do you live with yourself? How do you look yourself in the mirror? And uh, how can you look yourself in the mirror? And I, and I responded, I said, well, with actual pretty good confidence, I'm pretty, ha I'm pretty happy with, with the man I am. Mm -hmm. And she got so upset. You spread so many lies about my husband. You've, you've gone, you've lied. You're a liar. You, you know, lying, lying about my husband. I mean, she just went off and spreading misinformation. And, and, uh, we had to have this, one of our security people pull her away cause she was just going off. Wow. Not not the way you act when you feel confident that you're going to win in convention. Let's just or put it that way. Or your politician's wife. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting you she brought up the idea about lying because I was at a town hall meeting with John Curtis, his town hall meeting, and when I brought up the concurrent resolution which Alexia had given me a copy of and said, asked him about why he would do that. I mean, there's no due process. They, they file this resolution that indicts um, President Trump on charges that have never even been vetted. And he says, oh, I didn't do that. Yeah. And, and, I, and so I knew enough to follow up and go, well, actually, I have the document right here in my hand, and your name is a co-sponsor on was this Was there document. people there with you? That, oh, yeah, that there was a room full of it. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so then he realized 
that I had the goods on him. And he came back, oh, Chris, you're right. And, you know, I'm sorry, that was a mistake. I should never have done that. So he just takes this, oh, I made a mistake. Can, can I tell you how many people came up to me and said, Jason, I confronted, you know, John Curtis on, on such and such issue. And I had one, one, one guy that came and said, he, he took me by the hand with, with the right hand. In his left hand, he put his hand right on my arm, looked me deep in the eyes. And I felt like I was talking to my bishop and says, oh, you're, this is, oh, that's just not right. He says, that's misinformation. He says, I would have never done that. And, he, and, and this guy said, I was so taken back because literally I felt like I was talking to my bishop. That I, I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't have a rebuttal, and he just walked away. And he said, "By the time, by the time I came to my senses, I was like, I cannot believe that just happened." And and that's the thing with Utah. I feel like Utah, we have these these guys that are in these church authority positions, and they just it's it's scary. It's it's just heartbreaking the way that they can just lie and look you in the eye, and it's like you know better. You know better. And it's and it's one thing, I mean, look, lying is never okay. But when you are when you represent Utah, when you represent the state, and you have the it's not just the audacity, but when you have the it's it's just evil. It is evil to to just lie, to look someone in the eye and lie to them about what you've done over and over and over and just know that the people are ignorant and most are ignorant enough that they're not going to challenge you. They're going to trust you because you looked them in the eye and, 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 and because we are a trusting culture. And it is manipulative and it is taking, taking advantage of a trusting culture. It's gaslighting all the way. Yeah, it is. Whole gaslighting. And the thing that was interesting is in this town hall meeting when he finally, I had to call him out. He was going to let it lie that he did not, he was not a part of that concurrent resolution. See, he was fine with letting that. And I followed up and yet the woman sitting next to me, I'm not going to tell you who she was, but the woman sitting next to me said, that's the most honest thing I've ever heard a politician say. Wait, what? And I said, he just lied. And the only reason why he came clean and apologized is because I called him out on his lie. That's crazy. And see, she just thought, oh, that he's honest. I, no, he lied. He is just a smooth manipulator. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the secret with these guys. You have to bring the receipts. You have to bring the receipts. We had a group in Wasatch. You know, we have a lot of white people up in, in the Hebrew Valley, and it's it, it was really exciting to see the momentum that we were growing up there. So I think Curtis caught wind of it. And yeah, we, we, have- we had a uh, cottage meeting up there before a convention, and we had uh, 300 people there, and it, and, and it went awesome. So then Curtis shows up up there. Go ahead, baby. And he decides to buy all the patriots that would show up a steak dinner uh, and come face-to-face and, and kind of tackle head-on these, quote unquote allegations of misinformation, you know, the insider trading, all the things, but where they went wrong and where you, you went right was you brought, you brought the information with you to, to show him, listen, you can try your talk your way out of this, but I have the receipts right here. This is the actual literature that proves exactly what I'm saying. So it's very easy to, to get lip service then and say, oh, no, 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 I would never do that. That never happened because there's no rebuttal there. There's no way to say, oh, okay, well, if he says no, I guess it's no. 
You know, you need to bring the receipts when it comes to these bold faced liars and politicians that are so seasoned with their their crafted and scripted responses. I mean, you even saw them in the Project Veritas expose. Let's play um, that, by the way. Let's play the, the yeah. So everyone's, I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with per- Project Veritas, how they called him out, uh, his, uh, who was it? His uh, field, field director, director. called out his field director, said that Curtis, you know, if, if the voters really knew that they'd, he'd never get elected, basically said he's progressive uh, and kind of made fun and mocked the, the ignorant voters. Well, Project Veritas then actually confronts Curtis here and here's Curtis's response and, and the audacity. Just just listen to the way he uh, he talks to these people. Can you offer an explanation as to why your staffer would would say that you oppose trigger laws but, 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 but to not tell the voters? No, he does not like the trigger laws. He has not come out and said it. That's a problem. Why can't he say it? He won't win. People think we're a rhino. And people think we're an establishment conservative. So it's like... So how does he make people think that... Try to keep that establishment... How can he... He stays quiet. Did you try the tacos? I'm talking to you right now. They're really good. And I'll even buy tacos for you. Oh, tacos. So you don't want to answer the question. You didn't answer my question. What, do I like tacos? Yeah. It's been nice talking to you. You don't want to answer why, why your paid field director would say that you oppose trigger laws, but you don't want to tell the voters? You didn't answer my question. Do you want a taco? You're not answering my question, You're sir. not answering my I'm question. A jur- I'm a journalist with Project Veritas. You set, you, set an you, appointment and I'll talk to you. John Curtis does not want to answer any questions. So. Okay, I, I had not seen his rebuttal. I mean, actually, non-rebuttal. That would have been an easy thing for him to overcome and set the record straight if he felt that that would needed to be set straight. So he is trying to play both sides. He's still trying to keep that liber- liberal base that he appeals to because he won't come out and just say straight up, I'm, I'm here. We're, we're almost out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you one question. You know, and I think our listeners, you know, first off is that's, that is now most likely our, our Congressman again. And uh, you know, most people, if they, when they see this, it's like, how does this happen in Utah? So here's my question for you, Chris, where do we go from here? Well, we have to stay engaged and we have to put the pressure on John. We have to be on him all the time with all his votes. We have to be keeping track of everything, all his bad votes, and just keep track of that to let our, you know, eventually when he runs again, unfortunately, I'm sure he will, but um, it's just our, it's our job to do that. And, uh, and just realize you don't have to vote for him. There's going to be someone else on the ballot, or if you need to. In November. Yeah. You write, you write an, a candidate in, but you do not have to cast your vote for someone who's not willing to be honest about how he, about his issues. Well, fortunately, we've got some time between now and November to have some conversations about what are we going to do about some of these, uh, I mean, just it's just heartbreaking what's going on in this state. But uh, what a blessing today to be able to have uh, Chris, Christina Bogus and uh, Chris Kimball come in and uh, just very intelligent women talk to us about what's going on in this state. We will be having both of them on. But in the meantime, you know, God bless America. God bless Utah. We still live in an incredible state. And what an incredible time to be alive, to be able to stand up and fight for freedom. So God bless you. And until tomorrow, 4 o'clock, we will find them talk to you then take care